You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 185. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and we are talking today about a topic that I get asked a lot about, and that is counting macros as a vegetarian. And as I am somebody who is not a vegetarian and has never been a vegetarian, I have a concept and idea and understanding of you know, how to coach vegetarians and how to, you know, work with them, but I've never been one myself. And so I wanted to bring on someone who has that life experience, who can share from their personal experience, what it's like to count macros as a vegetarian and the ways that she's been able to be successful. And so I have Liz Wasman on the podcast today, and she's been a vegetarian for 32 years. So this is not just a little fad that, you know, she decided a year ago, she's been a very vegetarian for a very long time. And you know, has in the in the most recent past gotten into macro counting and utilized that as a tool in her journey, and had to figure out how to pair both of those things together. This this identity that she has, these choices she makes as a vegetarian, with this new tool that she is utilizing. And she's been able to make it work. And so one of the the messages of this podcast is one, that it's possible to count macros as a vegetarian. Two, to give you some very tangible takeaways and tips if if you are struggling or if you are wanting to have some idea of how to be the most successful as counting macros as a vegetarian. And then three, we kind of get to at the very end of the episode. So I'm going to save that little tidbit for you to um, get at the end of the episode, but it kind of um, wraps it all together that even if you aren't vegetarian, why the information that we provide in this episode is so important. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Liz Wasman. Hey, Liz, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank I've, you for having me. Yes, of course. I'm excited uh, to have you. One of the things that I will share is that Liz, Liz is so amazing. She 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 had an idea about the podcast and some content that she would like to see about vegetarianism and, and macros. And so she so gently and kindly <laughs> messaged me and was like, Hey, have you ever thought about having, you know, someone on the, on that counts, you know, that's a vegetarian and counts macros. And I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. Like, let me think about who I can do it. And then just like a couple minutes later, I wrote back and I was like, why don't you do it? <laughs> why don't you come on? <laughs> that wasn't the answer I was expecting. I, I know I was excited. I know it wasn't, <laughs> know it wasn't uh, but it's going to be perfect because you are the perfect person to talk about this. So um, we're going to talk about vegetarianism and macros and how those two can work together and work in harmony together. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, let's start with just giving our listeners a little snapshot of who you are. Sure. Um, my name is Liz Wassman. I currently live, I'm not from South Lake, Texas, but I live in South Lake, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas, so right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. 
Um, I'm from Chicago via LA and Germany, um, but now my family has found their home here, at least through the, my children's high school education. So I have three kiddos. Um, I have a nine-year-old, eight-year-old, and then we still have a little guy who's three. So busy, full life. I'm, I was in corporate America for many, many, many years, too many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I, I'm kind of recovering from that. And now I am actually a macros coach as well. And I'm actually in Amber's class for Biceps After Babies transformational coaching class. So that's yeah. kind of how we connected as well. Yeah, that's been super fun. Okay. So let's talk about vegetables and vegetarianism. (laughs) And let's just start with you just kind of giving us an outline of your vegetarian journey. Like when did that start? What made you make that decision? And you know, what has that experience been like for you? Yeah. But I think for me, first of all, it's important to just clarify what a vegetarian diet is. Cause I think it's kind of a hot term between like plant-based and totally vegetarian and whatnot. And I do not eat fish, meat or poultry. Um, I do primarily eat a plant-based diet, diet, but really all that means is I put plants forward on my plate, right? So you mm-hmm. can actually be a meat eater and still be a primarily plant-based eater. So for the sake of today, I am a vegetarian. So no fish, meat, or poultry. In Texas, people definitely are like, wait, so you eat chicken, right? Or you eat steak? I'm like, no, 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 no. So you eat steak. <laughs> You're yeah, like, I'm like, no. Or wait, so you eat ham, right? Like they... they it's been kind of amusing going from LA to Texas. Um, uh-huh. But so, um, and then vegan, will you just describe vegan too for yeah, vegan? Is just no, no, uh, no animal products. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I've experienced, I like, especially when I was breastfeeding, I tried that out, you know, I've definitely kind of done the whole gamut, but mm-hmm. I have been, so my journey has started and my journey is kind of an odd one, right? Um, I started, let's see, 32 years ago. So I'm 42, never really loved meat. It just wasn't my thing, but I am from like a huge meat eating Chicago family. My brother-in-law still to this day, and I've known him for 25 years says, are you still doing that vegetarian thing? And I'm like, all right, Timmy, it's not, you know, this thing is just my life. So I, I, it's not changing. Yeah. Um, I, everyone, my husband, my kids, everyone needs me. Um, and I started because I never really ate it. I liked a few things. And then the, a girl in fifth grade told me what a hot dog was made out of. And I, and I happened to love hot dogs. That was like <laughs> my thing. And I was devastated. I had one more farewell hot dog from Boston Blackies in Chicago. It was a chili cheese dog. Never had one again. And my father loves to say, well, you ate enough and, you know, hot dogs in the first 10 years of your life to make up for the rest. So (laughs) I really do not have this like big reason that so many people have. Mm -hmm. I've done a ton of research on it. So I'm glad that I'm a vegetarian, but honestly, it's part of the food chain. Eat it, enjoy it. My whole family does. I cook it not well. You know, Mm -hmm. I I have no idea what it tastes like. It's been so many years. Um, Yeah. And then, um, so that's kind of how I started. And I definitely was a very unhealthy vegetarian for many years, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so being vegetarian or plant-based is often synonymous with being healthy, right? And I think I lived in that mentality for many, many years. I mean, I lived in Germany where all I ate was meat and cheese, or I'm sorry, cheese and bread for Mm -hmm. seven or eight years. I mean, the idea of tempeh or tofu or whatever, it just didn't really exist, especially in Europe at that time, Mm -hmm. and especially in my college and grad school budget. Um, So after, you know, I kind of lived my life like eating pasta and, you know, meat, and I keep saying meat, um, cheese, (laughs) 
and um, bread and, you know, just really a carb heavy diet thinking, oh, but I eat lots of fruits and veggies and salads. Like I'm healthy. Um, and then fast forward to my second baby, for whatever reason, I just, you know, lost more hair than usual. My, my skin changed colors. Like everything was just, I was in bad shape. I was exhausted. And my doctor looked at me and said, you're done breastfeeding or you're going to a nutritionist. So I decided to go to a nutritionist and, you know, I walked in there kind of with a a little attitude. Like I did not want to be there. Mm -hmm. I already had enough on my plate and I just wanted her to kind of tell me what I needed to do. And I'm forever indebted to her because she looked at me and said, you know what? You need to learn this. And she kind of, it's your approach. It's like promoting autonomy, right? She was like, no, I'm not going to tell you what what to do. Like Mm -hmm. you need to figure this out. And I, and it wasn't really called macros back then. So it would have been nine years ago. It was probably, you know, it was probably called macros, but I don't, you know, it was just, it was very similar. You know, mm-hmm. we started with protein, carbs, and fat and kind of taking me all through it. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey. And then as I evolved, um, it turned into macros. You're like, it was like macros before it was in, in vogue. <laughs> Cause like, I feel like macro counting is in, is in vogue in some ways. It's like people have heard about it in the last couple of years because it's becoming more of a general term in a general population. But like the concept of macros is not a new concept. Like that is a nutritional concept that dietitians and nutritionists have learned for eons. It's that's not, there's nothing new about the three macronutrients. Well, and I feel like in fact, it's actually like stripping away all these toxic narratives that we've been taught over the years, like high carb, low carb juice. And like, I've done them all right. Like I've lived a life of restriction. And so when she stripped it all away and kind of brought me back to the basics, I was like, Oh wow. This is first of all, really interesting. Like Mm -hmm. as a vegetarian at that time, it must, it was over 20 years, I guess. I didn't even know what a complete protein was. I mean, what kind of vegetarian is that? Yeah, like my body lived off carbs. I, mm-hmm. I so no wonder I was tired, and no wonder I had, like was losing my hair and all mm-hmm. that. And so that was kind of the beginning of the journey. And then macro specifically, I signed up with a program after my third baby. And at that point, it was you know in vogue macros, mm-hmm. you know, and and I was just really kind of tired of living a life of restriction, and you know gaining weight, losing weight. I was done having kids. Like I just wanted to strip it all away and kind of just figure my life out. Right. Mm -hmm. My daughter, it watches what I eat. We, you know, our children model our behavior and I want them to see someone who has good habits and someone who eats cake and, you know, someone who I love French fries, by the way, that's like a big fun fact about me. I love French fries. I can't give up French fries. Like I, I gave up deep fried food for six years. What was including, including French fries? Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't even eat the chips at a Mexican restaurant. Oh like, man. How unhealthy is that? Yeah. Right. So I was just tired. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of strip all that away. And then that's when I started counting macros. I guess it was like three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And what was the, what was the biggest thing? Cause you, you learned about macros, what, like 10 years ago or 20 years ago when you started with that nutritionist, but then, you know, what was, what was different or what was the shift that you started to make when it, you actually got into like oh. macro counting as it, you know, is presented now? Oh man, there were so many shifts and they're still happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I, I like transformation is ongoing, right? Sure. It's, I am a total work in progress and I'm still working on things like all or nothing. And I'm still working on all these different concepts, but 
I want to say really, I just started to understand how to fuel my body. Right. And, you know, we'll talk later, I'm sure about protein, because that's always the hardest, mm-hmm. hardest part when you're a vegetarian, but just understanding why my body needed protein or even carbs, right? Like how many people don't eat carbs? I can't, I, I would never eat a piece of bread. And now I eat bread and I love, I mean, I love bread. Mm-hmm. So just really understanding the kind of why behind it, the educational piece, and then slowly transitioning. I, I, like I slowly bought in just kind of to all of it and then started, you know, at this point too, I had stopped working in corporate America and I really just started kind of diving in deep with macros and just mindset shifts and all of this stuff that falls into this world. And so it's kind of just been this like three years of kind of building on that knowledge that nutritionists gave me nine years ago to where I am today. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about being a vegetarian and counting macros and the the lessons that you've learned. And really what I want people to hear is some of the tips that you have as someone who has that experience, who has that lived experience, you know, I can give tips about counting macros and hitting protein and things like that, but I haven't ever lived it. And so I love that we can have someone here who can share tips. So what are some of your biggest tips? If somebody here is listening and saying, I am a vegetarian, how do I do this? How do I count macros? What would you tell them? Okay. So I'm going to start actually with a halfway answering your question. Okay. If you're hiring a coach, this is really important because I wish I would have done more homework on hiring a coach. Mm-hmm. There is a big difference in someone who understands being a vegetarian and someone who's lived that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I say that lovingly. I've worked with two different really big programs and four coaches and they all were well-versed in um, being a vegetarian. But honestly, I, I received very little support at the onset. And so I would encourage, you know, besides like a cheerleading email once a week, and I would encourage people to really do their homework. There's such an amazing Instagram community out there. Shoot people questions, ask them. And I didn't know this at that time, right? And so in retrospect, I wish I would have known to do your homework before hiring a coach. Because re- you'd really need to find someone who kind of understands uh, the, the issues and how to hit the different goals. And this goes for any anything, like we were talking about earlier with hypothyroidism, or if you can't eat gluten, or if you have a dairy allergy, just really understanding the coach you need. You might not know what coach you need, actually, I should say that. But you know, at least they should have a really deep understanding of, of how to help you hit your goals or to help you hit the lifestyle you want to live. That makes sense. Okay. Well, that's a great tip. Do your homework. Um, Yes. So that would be my first tip. Um, I was trying to think about how to, how to kind of um, bucket my, my tips and they really fall under two, two buckets. I think protein is probably the biggest bucket that most vegetarians are like, I can't, you know, I can't count macros. And I love when my clients are like, I can never eat 130 grams of protein. And I'm like, guess what? I eat 144. (laughs) And a vegetarian. Yeah. Yes. So if I can do it and and I am 80%, you know, whole foods, 20% kind of fun processed foods. Um, and I, I try to only do like, I do half a, half a scoop of protein a day. Not even, not even like one portion is two scoops. I do half of one. Mm -hmm. Um, if I can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I think with, um, you know, if we start with protein, I think the biggest tip obviously would be starting a little on the lower end and working your way up. So I think I started around like 99 or 100 grams. So it felt not only, um, you know, it was optimal and obtainable to use. Yes. I don't know if those are your words. Yeah, I use those. Yep. Jordan or someone, but um yeah. So I think, you know, really starting kind of low and incrementally increasing your protein is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, um, I think the, the one of the most difficult parts about being a vegetarian is, you know, how they always have those little memes or clips about like best vegetarian protein sources, right? Mm-hmm. And it always has like black beans on it. <laughs> Or which, is edamame. Pro, which is not a protein source. <laughs> no, or edamame. And it drives me insane because first of all, I love black beans. Yeah. But second of all, to make it a complete protein, you need to pair it with something. Mm-hmm. But but the problem is that I can't just eat, or vegetarians, we, we can't just have a slice, you know, a piece of tuna like my husband for 42 grams of protein and he's living his best life, right? Mm-hmm. All of my protein sources or all of vegetarian diet has have a really fair amount of fats and carbs. And so- when you start out trying to figure out how to hit your protein, but staying within your carbs and fats is really important. Now, everyone has that problem, right? Everyone who comes sure. macros has their problem, that problem, but I, especially when you start, but I think it's a little bit more challenging for vegetarians because our, apart from egg whites, right? Mm-hmm. You know, tempeh and all these really rich protein sources have fats and carbs. So the trick when you're a vegetarian is really figuring out how to tweak your portions. That's like the biggest key is figuring out the portion sizes and playing around with it and knowing that you're not going to get it right. Right. It takes time. It took me, I think I've gotten three zeros on my macros four times mm-hmm. and yeah. four years, right? Yeah. Like my, that's good my, for people to hear my husband. And that's in my other bucket too. Now I'm going back and forth. Like my husband hits it four times a week. Yeah. Right. And as a vegetarian, I, I tried to even do plus or minus three for a while. It is just not possible for me. Right. It's just too difficult and it's not worth that, you know, two grams. Yes. And so really I like to do, I like to make like batch foods, which everyone, you know, I recommend for everyone, but really tweaking the, you know, tweaking with the contents. And so instead of using, you know, if I need fat, I'm going to use higher percentage yogurt versus lower, right? Or higher, higher uh, cream cheese than lower, right? So kind mm-hmm. of really not only tweaking the portion sizes, but tweaking the ingredients. So, mm-hmm. you know, I do a lot of Lily Eats. I love her so much. And I also tweak a lot of her dishes to, to be vegetarian, which is, is totally possible. And, you know, you can make those a lot of those vegan as well. And you just kind of tweak the portion sizes to make it work for your macros. And again, it's a lot of trial and error and a lot of figuring out um, just what's going to work in that day. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to go back to your tips, but before we do, I want to define what a complete protein is. Cause I know that there are people listening who are like, I don't know what a complete protein is. <laughs> so will you kind of describe that? All right. I will give the high level and then I will let you jump in. Cause you are, you've been doing this a lot longer, Okay, uh, but essentially a complete protein is um, when you eat complete protein, it's the nine essential amino acids that our body can't produce mm-hmm. on its own. So, um, at, you know, usually it's like fish and poultry, but eggs is also a complete protein. Or um, if you pair a black bean with rice, for example, that also makes a complete protein. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she explained it. So our body can make, so amino acids 
there are different amino acids that make up the term protein and our body can make some of those amino acids. And then our body cannot make some of those amino acids and we have to actually eat them to be able to get them into our body. And if a, if a protein source contains all nine of those essential amino acids, those ones that our body cannot make, then that's called a complete protein. If it lacks any of those essential amino acids, it's called an incomplete protein. It doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it wrong. It just means it lacks some of the essential amino acids. And so what Liz is saying is that a a lot of times people can pair different protein sources together to create a complete protein. So if you pair black beans and rice together, rice has some of the missing amino acids, black beans have some of the missing amino acids, but they don't share those missing amino acids. So when you pair them together, now you have a complete protein and yeah. all of your protein sources do not need to be complete. People like get really hung up on this of, of, you know, thinking that all of their protein sources need to be complete. If you are eating a wide variety of protein sources over the day, you are getting access to all of the essential amino acids. So if one of your things is an incomplete protein, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it just over a period of time, you know, over that day, you need to be ingesting all of those uh, amino acids. So, okay. That's a complete protein. So I, I want to make sure that people understood that, that concept, because that's a question that uh, I get a lot. So let's go back to your tips. Yeah. Can I ask okay. a question? Of course. So when you talk about, I, I know this is probably a debate for another day, but collagen powder, what, yeah. what are your well, let's thoughts? Talk, let's talk about collagen. Well, because it technically from my research does not include all the amino acids. Right. It's an and incomplete I, protein. Yeah. So I have a lot of, I do not personally take it, but I have a lot of clients who do take it and I kind yeah. of just go, go with it. Mm -hmm. Um, what, I'm, what are your thoughts? So, um, I, I get asked about collagen all the time. And then I get asked about how do you track collagen specifically? Because, um, people hear this, that it's an incomplete protein. And then they think for some reason that means they need to track it differently. Beans are an incomplete protein. Mm -hmm. There's, you don't track them differently. You just, you just track them. You recognize that it's not a complete protein. Um, so collagen, I, I, I always question clients, like, what are you using it for? Yeah. Is it just as another protein source? There's nothing wrong with that, but recognizing that it is incomplete and it also does not contain the amino acids that are really beneficial for like building muscle, yeah. which is why something like a whey protein is always going to be, if building muscle is part of your goal and maintaining muscle mass is part of your goal, a whey protein is going, which is a complete protein is going to be much better for that than collagen. Yeah. However, for some people, they like to take collagen because they feel like it helps their hair or their nails, right? It's like, it's, it, the purpose is different. The intention of taking it is different. And in that case, it's like, knock yourself out. That's, you know, if you feel like it helps your hair and your nails and you like it and your skin and, and stuff, um, knock yourself out. It has the amino acids that can help with that. I just don't want people to get confused thinking that it is something that's going to benefit them in terms of muscle growth or muscle development. Cause it's, it's does it lacks the amino acids that, that would, it would mm -hmm. need to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Another, and then another question too, this is actually for vegetarian clients when, you, so there's a lot of supplemental protein out there, right? There's protein yeah. powders, quest chips, all the things. Yeah. I generally say, you know, 20, try not to do more than 20% of your diet, but do you have a recommendation that you do? I usually, clients? I usually say no more than two supplemental sources of protein. And that's not because that's a rule. It's because I want clients getting a variety of sources. Food. Yeah. And from whole sources. And if you're having four scoops of protein powder a day to hit your hundred, hundred grams of protein, well, now you aren't diversifying that, that intake. You aren't getting, you know, 
the micronutrients that you need from other food mm-hmm. sources as well. Um, because that's, you know, usually lacking in, in supplemental protein sources. So yeah, that's kind of my rule of thumb is no more than, you know, two sources. So maybe that's like, you have a thing of protein powder and then you have a protein bar or something like that. Yeah. So on the same note, one of the things that I used to steer, steer clear from pre macros, cause I always just considered it to process was any form of, you know, fake meat. Mm. Um, like the beyond chicken or like the beyond burger. Yeah. And I still, I still can't do the chicken for whatever reason I have definitely started. And I, I do it in things like my favorite is Mason Woodruff's, uh, chili. Like the, he makes this amazing, the creamy taco soup and the, um, and I do that with like beyond beef crumbles. And I think it's awesome. Um, I can't do the chicken or anything yet, but I have started to introduce some, some fake product. I'm using fake in quotations. You can't hear that on the radio, Mm -hmm. obviously, but you know, um, more processed um, meat, fake meats to hit my protein. So I'm I'm trying to show myself grace there. Um, So I do, I I do that occasionally. And then obviously the protein powder. And then I, I, if I have to, I have a protein um, bar, but otherwise, you know, it's pretty much from whole foods. Yeah. So, so if someone's listening and they're like, dang, how does she get 140 grams of protein? Um, you've started listing off some of those sources, but can you give us like your go-to, like most days I'm having this and this is what I'm using to hit my protein. So many, I feel like I should pull together a list. Um, like today I had, I made these amazing crepes out of egg whites and a super tiny bit of Kodiak mix. And I stuffed them with vanilla Greek yogurt. And then put peanut butter on top, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. how good it was! It was sixty-six grams of protein. It was amazing. Yeah, That's a, that was a lot for one meal, but sure. it was breakfast and lunch. Um, a good day for me is a day when I have no eggs, right? When I first started counting macros, I really that that was like all I could eat. I couldn't, you know, I didn't understand what else to do. So, a good day for me is no eggs. Um, I do all kinds of stuff. Gosh, I do. Um, I make skinny taste bagels all the time. I make pizza out of them. I make wraps and that's like a two dough pizza dough where it has protein. So I like to, I like to find things that give me more bang for my buck. So instead of just having straight up bread, which doesn't have a ton of protein, if I make the skinny taste bread and I make a big, huge bagel out of it, I'm getting the protein, right? So I'm getting added protein to it. Um, things like Gruyere. I love Gruyere is super, it's a type of cheese. It's a great melty cheese. It's really high in protein and it's very low in carbs. If it even, some brands don't even pull up as any carbs. Joseph's Lavash, right? That also more bang for your buck. It has a little more protein, lower in carbs. I save my carbs for fruit. I mean, I love fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning, I felt like I didn't eat any fruit when I started counting macros because I was like, oh, I, I, you know, you don't want to quote unquote waste your macros on fruit, but you, you, I mean, I love it. So you need to find ways to work it in. Um, gosh, what else? I do. Do you do I, tofu? So I am the weird vegetarian. I don't love tofu. Mm-hmm. I can't, I love tempeh. I make tempeh all the time. You could do so many good things with tempeh. You make chili, you can cook it with liquid smoke. You can put it in salads. I cook it with balsamic and eat it just straight up out of, you know, the pan. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many different things, but tofu, I struggle. I, you know, it's not your favorite. So no. I, I have to tell you that my daughter, my 14 year old daughter just started 
being a vegetarian, like in like November. So, um, you know, that's, it's been a couple months and, you know, I've just kind of gone along with it. Sure. Like, like we can do this. And so we've tried like all of the things. Does she like tofu? She does like, and so, and I actually like it, like I have enjoyed it. So we'll cook it. Usually if I'm cooking tofu, it's only for me, my husband and my daughter, my boys look at it and they're like, that's disgusting. So it's, it's kind of, I don't like the younger kids don't really like it, but I've been impressed. Like the things that I've used trying to make tofu that I actually, I'm like, this is actually not that bad. Do you air, do you air fry it? Um, I have air fried it. We just got an air fryer for Christmas. So I have air fried it. my favorite. I love. <laughs> yeah. But before favorite. that, I was trying to like, uh, cook it in the like saute pan and it stuck a lot anyway, but, um, well, the yeah, trick we, is you have to, dra- you have to like drain yes. everything out of it. Yes. And then we actually just, we just did tacos this last um, week. And so I did like crumbled tofu with like taco seasoning for my daughter. And so it was fun. Cause I, I ended up doing like half meat and half tofu in mine and I enjoyed a different protein source. Anyway, tofu has been a new thing that I literally have like yeah. never used in my entire life. Have you, have you tried tempeh? I have not because oh, so well, good. Okay. But this is my thing. <laughs> This you can like you can coach me through this because oh, it's so expensive. Like it I go, I, I go there and it's like the tofu is so cheap compared to the tempeh and that. Okay, tempeh. no, I want to get it from. Like, oh my gosh, everywhere Target even has it. Like okay. life, like let me. I mean, it's probably four dollars. Okay. As opposed to if you're buying a steak, how much is a steak? Well, and that's probably, see, this is where like, I always talk about this is like, what are you comparing it to? Because what you're comparing it to matters. And I probably am com- I'm comparing it to like the tofu. And yeah. I, I probably should be comparing it to a steak where it's like way cheaper than the steak. Amber, it is $3 in 19. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well done coaching me through that. Okay. So we will try tempeh. And it I, is, I can send, I'll send you offline some recipes. It is so okay. good. And I'm it has excited. texture. Some of my friends think it tastes like cardboard, but you can make so many things out of it. Like I make a, I'm using egg. I'm using, I use quotations a lot. I realize. Um, you can make like a um, chickpea egg salad out of it. I mean, there's like, oh. the, there's so many good things. Whereas tempeh, if you don't cook it right, it's like slimy. You mean tofu? Like, tofu, sorry. Oh Yeah. Okay. I'm, but I'm you, can, you can I'm also, and you can also do little things like using nutritional yeast, by the way, on your veggies. That's so good. And that yeah. has added protein. Um, and I literally just sprinkle it all over my veggies and I think it tastes delicious. It's not mm-hmm. cheese. People use it as a cheese. As substitute. a cheese substitute. Yeah. It does not taste like cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Hard stop. <laughs> But it is delicious, right? Mm-hmm. So like, or hemp seeds and chia seeds and your yeah. yogurt. Like I love doing that for a little crunch. So those little things, all those little things you can do add up. And that's how I get my protein. Mm-hmm. So no, they're not coming all from complete protein sources, but mm-hmm. combined, I have a variety of protein and I'm able to hit my protein. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel like my diet is very diverse during the week. It's pretty boring. You know, I try to, I tend to stick to kind of the same things, but we make a lot of like, we do pizza night every Friday. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Same here. Yes. And I now prefer my skinny taste dough. I'm pretty, I'm kind of an expert at it. Yeah. Or my, I should say my husband is actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> um, he, he is, he rolls it out. He's so good at it. And we do it every Friday and even the kids eat it. The kids, the kids may put Nutella on it sometimes. Um, on their pizza. Have you never had a Nutella pizza? Well, is it like by itself or like a pizza with like cheese and sauce and then you put Nutella oh, on it? 
You've never had a Nutella pizza. No. What is, what is this sorcery? I am so heartbroken for you. <laughs> I haven't had tempeh. I haven't had Nutella pizza. I am living under rock. You are. So, well, so I should say, I guess for me, I always, I started eating it in Germany many years ago because they use it instead of peanut butter, but they eat it oh. very, like they use a very little layer. They're very responsible. You know, my kids like slather, slather it on. <laughs> Yes. And I actually like if that's one of those things I can't really have in the house. Cause for me, it was like back to my high school, college days where you like eat it with a spoon out of there. And you're like, this is vegetarian. See? <laughs> um, and I know people are probably going to be like, Oh, but it, you know, p- there's probably going to be a debate now. Cause Nutella has, um, what does it have in it? Palm oil. Oh yeah. The oil. Um, but it's delicious. And there's a place where by my house, actually that you can go there and their dessert pizza has Nutella and mascarpone on it. Um, okay, fine. I'll have some. (laughs) Or the skinny dough, the skinny dough little things you can make, you can take it and you can stuff it with Nutella. It's so good. That sounds delicious. Okay. You're going to be sending me lots of recipes after we finish. Like people are like, oh, you don't eat anything good. And I'm like, um, I have eaten lots of good things (laughs) and I can work my Nutella in. And so I always say like, I count macros because I'm so passionate about food. Like if you get me talking about food, anyone in my family, like we don't stop. That's all. We talk about recipes. My dad tells me all his meat recipes. I don't care. I'm still listening. Like that's what we talk about. We love food. And so I count macros so I can eat, right? So I can eat and enjoy and not have these guilty feelings I used to have. Now, when I eat a piece of bread with butter and cheese, like I put butter on my toast mm-hmm. and cheese and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So with your, with your macro ratios, do you find like a, a vegetarian compared to someone normal? Um, mm-hmm. how do those protein intake levels compare the, the fat intake levels and the carbs? So that's a good question. And you'll read different sources. Like if you're, if you're a protein, they, if you're a vegetarian, they automatically start you lower. Yeah. Right. So right. I think I, uh, I would, I don't remember what I weighed when I started because I had just had a baby, but um, she probably started me closer to like 0. 0.6 um, grams per pound. Yeah. And now I am close to one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's evolved over the years mm-hmm. um, and it depends. Like I, I tend to actually really try to understand like, you know, first through like first an acclimation period, what people gravitate t- towards. Cause I, I have, I have vegetarian clients who actually don't love carbs, which is Mm. shocking to me. Yeah, right. Um, So, you know, I try to start them in a range that works for them, right? So that's like still within the guidelines. But, you know, if if I I love carbs, so I automatically was like, give me as many carbs as I can have, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm always going to be on the higher end of my carbs and lower end on fat because I naturally eat less fat than carbs. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess guess my answer to that question with what is, I really kind of try to go off what the client prefers at the onset. Right. Um, and not dramatically, if you don't eat carbs, I'm still, you're still going to eat carbs when you count macros, Mm -hmm. like you, but I'm going to set that a little bit lower and then have the fat just a little bit higher. Yeah. I I think that's a really good tip for the people who are listening, who are thinking about counting macros as a vegetarian is, you know, focus on that protein and then kind of see where you naturally fall with, with your carbs and your fat and, and base it off of that. And, and maybe that evolution happens, but getting, for so many vegetarians, it's like protein is the, is the hardest thing. And if you're focusing all your attention on there, um, make it easy in the other areas, <laughs> make it yeah. as easy as possible for you. And this, this goes back to, I would say most clients I have struggle with, and I've had far fewer clients than you. I'm much newer at this, but most of my clients struck 
a couple true Texans really are great at their protein, but most struggle hitting their protein. Mm -hmm. So it's not that different than what you know, then, then what the I regular eat. person struggles yeah, with eating like, protein. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, you know, yeah. I'm a regular person, right? So it's just a little bit different. Like you might have to be a little bit more creative, but all my clients complain about eating protein. Mm-hmm. You, you know, a, a, I, I, and then I have obviously some who complain about carbs, which I don't understand. Um, cause I would eat carbs all day if I could. Um, but you know, protein's just hard across the board. So I'm sure when you started, you probably struggled hitting your protein. Yeah, yeah. it's very common. You know, it's it's, it's an acclimation uh, yeah. time. Okay, do you have any other tips for people who are listening? Um, oh man, I'm. Let's see. Um, I think, I think again, I would just go back to managing expectations, right? And that goes across the board again to all clients. Is it's just, it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? You have to show yourself grace and kindness. And this is a journey and it changes and your numbers will change. Your numbers will change as you change and as your goals change. And I think just really being true to yourself and um, being kind, right? <laughs> like, yeah, be gentle with yourself. You, yeah, because, and I think I, when I started too, I was... I'm kind of, I, I'm, I'm, I am well, I'm learning from you. I am not all or nothing, right? I am not a perfectionist, but I tend to, you know, if I have to hit something, I want to hit it. Right. Yeah. And I think that also has just been such a transformation for me is no, is understanding that it's this all or nothing mentality. It just does not, should not, does not apply to nutrition, right? Like it's just because yesterday I went over in my carbs, 40 grams or whatever, doesn't mean today, you know, let's throw in the towel. So I think that's kind of been just a huge transformation for me. And even like, this is a side story, but I just did my first DEXA scan. Mm -hmm. Have you done one of those? It's been a long time, but yeah, I have done. So uh, for the listeners, it's a, it's like a full body, x-ray where it gives you this comprehensive snapshot of what's going on in your body in terms of muscle mass and bone density and all these amazing things. And when I first saw it, I I have to say, I was like, oh, right. I was like kind of heartbroken because I've been on this journey for three years. I've made all this tremendous progress. And, and then I really had to step back and be like, no, this is actually pretty awesome mm-hmm. because now I have, now I can like tweak my, you know, fitness and workout and nutrition routine to the goals I want to accomplish based on like real numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of step back and like have, I like had to coach myself for a moment on, right. This is a transformation and it's messy and I'm learning and the goalposts move. Right. And it so, takes time. Yes. And so three years ago, I literally pulled up my post baby picture from three years ago. And I was like, okay, you're doing great. You're, yeah, like I, yes. I just came off five months of maintenance, which was amazing. Maintenance is amazing. It's awful and hard, but amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I am in a cut now. And, but I had to pull up that picture and be like, guess what? I'm doing okay. Yeah. You know, and I'm just moving my goalpost. Mm-hmm. And so that, I, that doesn't really answer your question of any other advice, but I guess. <laughs> no, but be, that's good. Be kind to yourself and it's yeah. a journey and, and you know. Yep. It takes the time it's going to take. And exactly. being and mad about that is not going to make it go any faster. Yes. And it's so hard to believe that, right? It's so hard when you don't see the scale move and your coach tells you, let's talk about your non-scale victories, right? I get it. Like it's, yeah. it's 
part, but truly it's a transformation and transformation doesn't happen in two days or even three years. Right. Let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about building muscle because I feel like this is a a belief Mm. that comes up too, is that, you know, maybe I can hit my protein or whatever, but like building muscle is impossible as, as a vegetarian or as a vegan. So talk to us a little bit. about that. Well, so this is, I am so new to this world. Actually, I love that you brought this up because I just, so I've always been obsessed with working out. I was like soul cycle queen. I loved it. I used to go like two times a day. Sometimes I've always been, and I definitely had a slight issue and I I've worked on that actually in the past three years. Like I overcompensated, I compensated overeating with exercise, right? Sure. Like totally yeah. live that mentality. So then I had my fourth knee surgery um, eight weeks ago. And in preparation for that, so I, I actually intentionally did this plan, which was all new to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I usually fly by the seat of my pants, but in order for my, I knew I had to have knee surgery and I knew I do bar method. If anyone has never done bar method, it is literally life-changing, it teaches you to be humble, listen to your body, strengthen everything. It's amazing. Um, anyway, so I knew I wouldn't be able to do bar method as much after my knee surgery. So I started working with a trainer because I also wanted to see now that I've been doing like now, you know, I lived in maintenance. Now I'm going to cut like how all that would impact my body. So I am very new. It's been four months that I've been working with a trainer. I bounced back from my surgery, I think relatively quickly. Um, I have to have one more probably in the spring, which sucks. And that's a big one. Um, so now I'm in this, now I'm in a caloric deficit at, by the way, 1800 calories, which is awesome to be in a deficit at such a high calorie, but you know, I put the work in, right. Sure. Um, and now I'm so excited because we're like, um, what's the word? Ramping up my workout routine. And I want to say she's, I, again, not my world, progressive overload, maybe. Is that what it yes, is? Yes. We love progressive overload. I And she she actually is, I have my trainer is COVID too, poor, poor lady, but she's like, I have your workouts all ready to go. And so, yeah. So you have definitely more knowledge. I'm super excited to see where it goes. This is yeah. kind of my new, this is my world. new world. Like I, I yeah. love it. I can't, I am so far from doing a push-up or a pull-up. It's hysterical, but I am going to do a push-up or pull-up before the end of the year. But like right now I'm literally just hanging. I can just hang. Yeah. Well, that's better than not being able to hang. So it's like step one, right? Yeah. Yay. Exciting. So the ultimate thing that I want people to know is that you can build muscle and that intelligent programming is really going to be the key for anybody. Um, And then yes, protein intake, right? Protein intake is important, but if you have protein intake, it doesn't matter if you don't have intelligent programming, if you don't have programming that includes a progressive overload. So I'll be excited to see how you progress and, and this new phase. It's such a, it it is a super exciting, uh, new phase of the journey to be focused on, on something, uh, very specific of like developing and training and getting better at, and that you get to see that result of I can do a pull-up now and I can see these muscles. And and it's like taking me away from the scale, right? Totally. I let the number define me for so many years, right? And I lived a life of restriction and now my goal is a life of abundance. And I want to see how, so I basically want to lower my body fat percentage, Mm -hmm. but, but there's really, it's hard to predict what the scale will do, right? Totally. So I'm so curious in two months, how my next DEXA scan will show up, right? When I'm consistently in my cut and working out, and then I'm going to obviously go back up to maintenance for probably the rest of the summer. Yes. 
Yeah. It's it's so good. So exciting. So fun. I love, I love hearing new goals and, and new focuses on, on what your body can do. And I really think that's one of the benefits of, of lifting is that it gets you into that mindset of let's see what I can do. Um, and away from that, what, you know, what does my body look like or what does it weigh? And I think one thing that's really important that you kind of started to point out that I really want to emphasize is that if you're wanting to lower your body fat percentage, which that is a very common um, desire is to, you know, change your body composition and, and lower your body fat percentage. Most people default to this idea that in order to lower my body fat percentage, I have to lose fat. Mm-hmm. And yes, that is one way that you can lower your body fat percentage, but there's another way. And that is to add muscle. Yeah. And so if you add muscle, um, yes, this weight, your weight may go up, but a greater percentage of the weight on your body is made up of muscle. So you will actually, that's why you can look differently. That's why you can see those pictures of women on Instagram where they're like, I weigh 20 pounds more here, but they look way better on the right. You know, the, they're leaner and they like, you can see their muscles than they do on the left, but they weigh more. It's because mm-hmm. uh, when a greater percentage of your body is composed of muscle, it looks different. You look different. So not always defaulting to this idea that if I want to lower my body fat percentage, I have to lose fat. But yeah, muscle is part of that too. And I think to add to layer on there, yeah. one of the things like I'm in my I'm in my lower 40s still, but <laughs> I mean I'm in my 40s. Yeah. Right. And we, you know, I I've been doing a, a lot of just research on on getting older, right? And as you age, you're you, you lose, you know, you lose what how many two two to three percent of your muscle mass per decade? Is that what it is? Right. And so uh, yeah, it might be even more than that. Is it? And so that I mean, to basically, you know, they talk about this like midlife midsection, right? And and really, just the best way to kind of rev up and and keep your metabolism working is through building muscle and strength training. Yes, so 100%. A lot of people think that lifting is like a young person sport. And no, in reality, yeah. it's much more important for those who are older and aging to be lifting weights than it is even for those 20 year olds. Um, and it's not scary. Like I, people think, I mean, I was really intimidated when I first went and it's actually so fun and you meet awesome people and everyone yeah. is so willing to help. And, you know, it, I am very clear on having no idea what I'm doing. Every time I'm in the gym, I'm like, please help me. You know, like, and everyone loves to help, right? Mm-hmm. There's always trainers around who can jump in. Oh, and everybody help. loves to tell you what to do. Like in the gym, I feel like it's like, everybody just wants to tell everybody like exactly what you're doing wrong. And like, but see, I take, I'm like, tell me, I have no idea. I'm yeah. Like, and, and the thing is that most people, like most people are really focused <laughs> on their own uh, workouts. But if you ask people in the gym, most people at the gym are love lifting and, and just are so excited to help somebody else love lifting. Yes. And like, like, if, if you want to come take a soul cycle class and like dance on a bike, I can help you there. But like, I can't tell you, I I like literally was just getting, uh, they were teaching me how to do the, the what's that that machine? Is it the Smith? Like the the lat pull down? No, I was doing like a Smith machine where you're like doing the like, it looks, it it looks really intimidating, but like I had, I had a 20 minute lesson and it was only lesson number one on how to use that machine. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. It's so cool. That's exciting. That's awesome. Okay. Um, this has been really fun. I'm really hopeful that people are walking away feeling like, okay, maybe this is doable. Maybe I actually can count macros. Maybe I actually, it actually can Can. work for me. You can, that's if, if you didn't get that from the podcast, it is possible. You can do it. Um, it just takes a little bit of tweaking and, and as does, and this is kind of the wrap up point that I want to make sure that it hits home as does every single like yes. individual unique thing that we have in our lives. Like it just takes tweaking. And you know, that's, if you have seven children, it just takes tweaking. If you are vegetarian, it just takes tweaking. If you have hypothyroidism, it just takes tweaking. And, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. 
because you yeah, absolutely totally do it. Yeah, totally. So good. Okay. Last question is where can people find you if they're wanting to connect more with you? Um, I am on Instagram, uh, at macro dragon is my Instagram handle. Awesome. What's the story behind that name? So I, um, well, <laughs> so I live in South Lake, Texas, which mm-hmm. I have never gone to a school with a football team in my entire life ever, ever. And I now live in this like football <laughs> obsessed. I'm not, I mean, it is obsessed. Like we tailgate, we tailgate for, <laughs> we tailgate for like first grade games sometimes. Right. It's crazy. Like our high school stadium is insane. I mean, it's, it's just football is life here. Like, yeah. It, like Mahomes lives in the next town over, right? Like yeah. it's crazy. Um, and so when you're when you grow up here, everyone's a dragon. And so our town now is big enough to have two high schools, but instead they intentionally kept our high school together and they separate you. It's like sixth and seventh, seventh and eighth, or fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. So everyone is a dragon. So like my three-year-old is a dragon. <sighs> And he's very proud. And, and he's like, very proud of being a dragon. The, like the here's like everything is dragon. And oh I gosh, actually funny. hate the color green. But now I like live in this town. It's like um, all green dragons. And I have, you know, I like watched almost a whole football game on Sunday night. Like that's just not me. I have no like who is this person? This, I know. It's the Texas it's, version of Liz. <laughs> it is. And you know, I may be one of two vegetarians in Texas. And you know, there's <laughs> I was definitely meant to live in California, but now, but now I live here. Yeah. So there, so macro dragon is just kind of a play and being a, you know, we're a dragon. I love it. Awesome. Well, if uh, you want to connect with Liz, shoot her a DM over on Instagram, go give her a follow. And thanks Liz for coming on and sharing your experience and your tips and your ideas. And I'm hoping that people walk away with the confidence that they can count macros, even if they are vegetarian. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode that I hope as always that you got something out of it and that you really recognize that macro counting is a tool and it is a tool that can be utilized in a myriad of different life circumstances in different diseases, in different lifestyle choices. And that tool can be molded and adapted and, you know, created in a way that's going to fit you. That's really the, really the big takeaway that I want everyone to get from this episode is that we can ask questions like, can vegans count macros? Can vegetarians, can someone with hypothyroidism, can someone in their seventies, can someone who's male, can someone who's female? Like we can ask all these questions, but at the end of the day, macro counting is a tool. And the most important thing is about how you apply that tool to your unique, specific individual journey. So I'm so grateful that Liz came on and shared her story, her recipes. I will be getting some recipes from her to apparently try out and That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hey, friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. 
Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.